Today, I want us to move on and talk about something. Last week, I talked about how we're going to have our very best year. Now, today, it's a, it's a little different in that uh, when we try to find our very best year in today's work, what we're going to do is dig a little bit deeper. Kelly gave us this perspective. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Got it, right? The Lord is my fortress. He protects me from danger. Got it, right? All of this, we're doing great. We keep going. If I'm attacked, I'll remain confident. And then she kept on going, and then all of a sudden, she got really over into the world of where she was messing us up. The one thing I ask of the Lord now, David is writing this, and all of a sudden, he, he's, he's talking about all the goodness of God and how God, Jireh, the, the, the Hebrew word, God of, of provision, he always provides. Jireh, he's speaking here, I know you can do this, I know you will do this. And he says, but the one thing that I'm asking of you, Lord, and then he says, this thing that I seek most he makes a big deal about this, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Now, it's important for you to know that when this text is being written, it is, it's a fascinating thing because there is no house that's been built yet. When David's writing this, the temple hasn't been completed. It hasn't been constructed yet. So what is he talking about? I wanna, I wanna be in the house of the Lord forever. Is he talking about, I wanna live at the church forever? That's not what he's talking about. Because at the time, the temple's still not completely built. He's talking about if we're gonna find our very best year, then we've got to, at some point in our little humanity, we have determined that we're going to invite God into our world and us in him. Do you remember last week? I abide in you and you abide in me. And when that happens, what, what comes as a rule is that satisfaction. And when satisfaction happens in our life, what are we? We're more contented. And then what did Paul say? I've been content with little or much. And as a result, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I put all that together and I think, well, why wouldn't I want to be satisfied? Why, why wouldn't I want those things? Or why wouldn't I chase after those things? Well, today is Rock Sunday, the opportunity to get laser focused on what matters most to you in this new year and the one that's yet to come. And I want to introduce to you two words today that, I might, that might actually have a huge difference. Two Hebrew words. One, Selah, and two, Shalom. All right? Two incredible words. Now, Selah is only used about 50 times in the scriptures. Most often, it's at the end of a psalm. And so, when you hear the word Selah, you could think, well, is it a musical term? Well, kind of, because it's at the end of most Psalms, but what does it mean to me and why should it matter in 2022, Chuck? Well, now watch this. When scripture talks about one word, we all struggle. When scripture says, wait on the Lord, we don't wait well. We are the most, we, we, we literally cannot wait. So I just wanna take a quick poll. How many of you this morning on the way to church while you were either driving or riding in the car here, looked at your smartphone. Okay, how many of you should have raised your hands, but you weren't listening when I was asking the question, and now that you know, would say, I need to raise my hand. Got it, okay. So the fact is, we couldn't even make a ride from the house to the church without looking at our smartphone. I, I would dare you to go to a concert of any kind 
and see one human being watching a concert, not watching it through the lens of their phone that they're capturing it on so that it's official when they post it on social media that they were at the concert. Because we don't go to concerts anymore because the music's good. We go to concerts now so we can take videos and pictures of the fact that we were there and post them and prove we were at the concert. We are a people that don't wait well. Well, let me give you another thought here. Another word that we don't do very well is woe. Have you ever thought the difference between wait and woe? Wait is I stop. Woe is I stop and whoa. All right, try that with me. Just try, try that. Woe. Do the whole facial experience and everything. So we wait and we, what was that? We stop. And then we, some of you did that better than others. Some, some of y'all didn't woe real well, but woe is this thought that when I stop, it's like it hits me in the face, but that's why I stopped. I didn't stop for, for anything. Like, Selah isn't, I stop because I'm tired. Selah isn't, I stop because I need to write something down. Selah isn't, I'm at a red light, therefore I need to check Facebook. Selah is, I stop with the intention to reflect on what God has for me, and when I do that, that's where the woe comes from. Are you with me? It'd help if you'd tell me. Are you with me? Thank you. So we wait, and in that wait, we get the woe. Now what happens is a third step happens. Selah comes where we intentionally stop, and in that stopping time, we receive this opportunity to wait to hear the Lord. All through scripture, we're here, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. And in the challenge of that, most of us think wait requires patience. I've learned that waiting isn't about patience, waiting is about intentionality. When we decide to intentionally wait on what God has to share with us, woe comes right after that. When we receive that woe such that we know we've heard from God, the third word that happens is wow. Now watch this. The reason most of us don't experience a wow is because we didn't intentionally wait. But when we waited, we didn't intentionally wait to hear from God so there was no woe. And as a result, there was no wow, which leads me to the second word of the day, which is shalom, a peace that passes all understanding. Now watch this. This is such a cool formula where if you want peace, the greatest thing you can have in your life, then at some point you have to intentionally stop with Selah to intentionally reflect on what God has for you, wait on it, Receive it with a, whoa, God, that's for me. Wow, God, that's really for me. And what comes with all of the weight and the woe and the wow is shalom, which is peace. It's a simple formula that you look at and say, I need peace in my life. I'm tired of going from one thing to another. I haven't met one person when I stopped and said, how are you doing this week? And they said, I'm doing awesome. You know why every person I stopped and talked to this week, you know what I heard? I heard this, I'm so busy. You know what I heard? Well, you, you can't believe how many things we're going from one to another, we're doing, I, Chuck, I'm just tired, I'm, I'm worn out, I'm frazzled, I'm worn. Let me give you an experience, just try this this week, all right? Now, like those of you that are like an Enneagram eight, you'll do this, right? If you're an Enneagram one, you may just like bail out completely, all right? But, so like, if, if you're bold enough to try this, just go this route. Sometime this week when somebody who's casually, who probably doesn't even care, says to you, hey, how you doing? 
look back at them with all the intensity you have and say, awesome. I'm so stinking awesome. I would blow your mind if I took a few minutes and told you how awesome things are doing. I did that twice this week. Both times, you know what I got? That looked like you're an idiot. And you know what I thought? You're probably right, but I'm actually doing awesome. Now watch this. Do you really wanna be the person that every time somebody says, how you're doing, you can't wait to tell them that you're busier than they are? Is that really your goal in life? Because I gotta tell you, we're a people that are addicted to busy. We are like crack addicts. We can't wait. How many of you are like me and you do lists every day? Anybody like me? Every day you got a list? Yeah, yeah. We are freaky people, aren't we? Like, are, do any of you on your list, the first thing you put on your list is make a list so you can check it off? <laughs> Try it. It's like a, like a dopamine hit like you wouldn't believe. But now, because we're so addicted to busyness, we don't stop and wait because we don't intentionally invite Selah into our life. And without Selah, we don't have Shalom. And if we don't have Shalom, we don't have wow. And if we don't have wow, then we don't have peace. One is a singular thing. It is specific. One is separate. It's the, it, it's, it's the first prime number. I mean, it's, everybody wants to be number one. But all through this, even in David's writing, he's saying, I want you to stop and ask, what is it that I need most? I need to be in the presence of God and he and me because I want to say law so that I can shalom. My desire for you today is that you wouldn't walk out of here and think, wow, wasn't the music great? What wasn't the, the building clean? Wasn't Chuck relatively on time? What? I want you to be able to walk out saying, I know how to Selah, and my desire this week is to shalom. I want to intentionally Selah because I want that one thing in my life. Today is an occasion to Selah. Today is a time to pause and ask yourself, what is of most importance in your life? In a few minutes, I'm gonna invite you to come to one of the tables and just take one of these rocks and one of these Sharpies and write a word or two down about what is it that you know God is calling me to do. Did you realize that part of what David is writing here and part of what the apostle Paul writes and we'll read in a minute, all is about this one big perspective that every decision you make, every attitude you take on, every reaction you have is always a vote for the person you believe God wants you to be or the person you've determined to be. Now stop and think about this. If today you say, you know what, Chuck, I would like to be a person that has the peace called shalom. Then let me just stop and say to you, you're never gonna get there by trying harder and doing more. You will never find peace and you will never find that, find that woe and that wow that comes from waiting on the Lord by trying to do more, even if it's doing good. Some of us are literally doing so much for the church that we've stopped doing anything for the kingdom of God because we're so busy doing church stuff. Because we forgot all about the desperate need to Selah. Listen to me. God needs your heart far before he needs your hands and feet. God wants your heart 
and honestly couldn't give a rip about your wallet because God wants you to say law with him. Because if you don't say law with him, you don't shalom with him. And if you don't shalom with him, you will never experience the wow of living and abiding in the presence and the power of Jesus the Lord. So when you look at this one thing, you say, well, David had it figured out. This one thing. The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections. And look at this, meditating on his temple. Now, most of us in the American church hear this. I'd rather have an injection of chlorine than sit and do that. Right? I mean, you know, I don't dig that kind of stuff either. But do you know what he's speaking about meditation? That he's going to intentionally say law so that he can stop long enough to hear from the Lord. And when he hears from the Lord, it's like, whoa. And then when he acts on that, it's wow. And then shalom happens. Peace. You say, well, Chuck, help me a little more. How do I tangibly do this shalom? Okay, watch right here. Now, this is difficult, all right? This is, this, this is tough. Put your hands in your lap. Put your phone or tablet or Bible down. And hush. Stop, con- stop concerning yourself with anybody around you. Don't let whatever that person's dressed like bug you anymore. Stop thinking about the haircut you need to book. Stop worrying about where you're going to eat lunch today. And then quietly in your mind, say this to the Lord. Lord, I've intentionally slowed down my heart, my mind, and my soul because I want to hear from you. And then wait. Come on, how awkward is that wait? Because we love to fill. We love to fill space with noise. Selah requires that you just stop from all the noise the world offers. And people would say, Chuck, have you ever heard God verbally speak to you? You know, I, I, I feel like I have once or twice in my life, yeah. But like 99.9% of the time, the way I feel... God speaking to me is I, I get still and I hush and I wait. And it's not my gut. It's not, it's, it, it's not something I sense or emotion I feel. It's this nudge that the Spirit of God says, Chuck, how about this way? Chuck, how about trying it that way? You know what I've heard a lot this week? Hey, Chuck, could we stop doing it your way and do it my way? Chuck, could, could, we, could you stop being such a control freak that you could just let go and let, let me give you direction here? I spent about an hour with a dear friend of mine who's days away from passing away this past week. Hospice was coming behind me and I said, you know, one of the things that I love about the Lord is that he makes everything clear that there is one thing I need. 
I need him. And she said, I'm so glad I have him. And then she said, can you tell me, how, how am I going to die? How do you actually die? Now, there's a question, right? And it was so cool to be able to sit there with her and hold her hand and say, life to death to life is what we experience here on this side. I'm going to preach your funeral. I'm going to cry at your death. But, sweetheart, you don't go from life to death to life. You go from life to life eternal in less than a nanosecond. Because to be absent from this crushed body is to be present in perfection and holiness and happiness forever and ever. Amen. Friend, listen to me. Getting with Jesus isn't a church thing to do. As a matter of fact, most churches I know, they don't do anything to help you get close to Jesus. They're just trying to get you in the house, get your money, and build another building. Can I tell you, that is straight from the pit of hell. I believe with all my heart, Sugar Hill Church is here to help you walk with Jesus in such a way that you feel the intentional desire to Selah so you can experience shalom. In Psalm 27, do you remember what he said? I'm asking God for, there it is again, one thing, only one thing. He's looking for one thing. I want to invite you into that one thing. He says, I can never escape from you. In Psalm 139, that same guy, David, is saying, no matter where I go, there you are. You are already there. You, you got everything covered. You, you've provided. You've allowed. And then over in Matthew, Jesus actually breaks us out. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will do what? Give you everything you need. And some of you are saying, well, God, you haven't given me that half million dollar a year job yet. That's the one I want. I, I want uh, and by the way, I would like for it to be a fishing guide that makes it kind of money. It could be that God hasn't given you that because honestly, he knows that's not what you need. It could be God hadn't given you that because he knew he can't trust you with it. It could be that you don't even know what God has for you because you've never intentionally salod and you've never steeped your life in God. Listen to what the, in Matthew 6, when you go back, I mean, it's so important for us to understand that we're here to steep our life. Look at this word steep. How many of you eat, uh, drink hot tea, right? Okay, how many of you drink iced tea? How many of you drink it with so much sugar it tastes like syrup? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're gonna die of diabetes. So, um, I just want to be a blessing. And so the, the message puts Matthew 6, this way. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. And don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, I love that word steep. That's why I brought it to you. So steep is like this. You get water that's hot. You put a tea bag in. You put the top on and you turn the heat off. Are you with me? Now, what happens to that water when you're steeping that tea? What happens? It goes from one thing to another. 
And you know, it goes from water and depending on what kind of tea and what you put in it, it goes from something that is just plain to something that's pretty amazing. Like you add some lemon and some sugar, you got you something, right? If you're one of those people that drinks with your pinky up and you have chamomile, bless your heart. But at the end of the day, you went from one thing to a whole nother thing. Eugene Peterson, when he translated the message, he said, you need to steep your life, which implies it's slow, it's steady, and yet the outcome is always there. One thing I do, in John 9, 25, Jesus is in town and he, he sees a guy that's blind from birth. And, and he goes over to him and he spits in the dirt, stirs it up and makes some mud, puts it on his eye, washes it away, guys opens his eyes, he can see. Now you say, well, well, well Chuck, I, what does that have to do with Shalom and what does it have to do with Selah? Well, here this guy was, he didn't have a choice but wait. But he didn't have any peace. He had to beg all day long. And then Jesus shows up in his life, spits in the dirt, stirs it up, puts it on his eyes, wipes it away. And what does this guy say? I once was blind, but now I Try it again. I once was blind, but now I see. One more time. I once was blind, but now I see. We got a whole row of Methodists up here on the front row. They have to hear you loud, okay? Now watch this. They were so freaked out. The religious people were just wiped out completely. You know why? They weren't in control of it. Religious, have you ever noticed the more religious you are, the more control you want? Like the more religious you are, the more, the more you want to control the people around you? Because it's usually like, Every church has like church police. Have you ever noticed that? The church police, they're always out. It's like, pastor, did you see that guy? Are we sure we want him here? It's one of the great pastor moments of all time. Because then you can stop and say, we have you. And you're like nothing like Jesus right now. So here's this guy that offers nothing. He didn't have money, he didn't have status. I mean, he's filthy, he's just a bum that the world saw walking by him every day. And Jesus saw enough in him that he went from, I was blind, but now I see. And the religious people were so whacked out, they went to his parents and they said, what really happened? There had to be something else that was going on around here. There's no way that happened. And they said, I don't know. What he said was, split it up a little bit, put it on the eyes, open it up. And he said, I was blind, but now I see. Look at me, church. You know why you ought to chase after the one thing that God wants from you and be able to do that in a moment of Selah to discover shalom is that there was a time you were blind, but now you can see. But you might be here today and you say, Chuck, I've never made that transition from blind spiritually to I can see. And some of you right now said, I knew he was going to get to that Jesus stuff any minute now. But you know, the Jesus stuff is probably not what you thought it was. Jesus isn't here to bust you. Jesus isn't here to tell you what's wrong with you. Jesus isn't here to tell you that you're messed up, or you're whacked out. Jesus is here and he's so for you. He just says, I want to take you from blind to sight. You say, well, how do I get there, Chuck? I said, Man, I'm in for that. Well, you don't have to join church. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to give a dime. You don't have to go on a mission trip. You don't even have to serve in preschool. 
You can just say, well, well, Chuck, I'm in. If, 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 if that's all Jesus wants for me, I'm in for that. Well, friend, this one thing that I'm most confident in that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost says to me that there was a time I was blind, but now I see. And there was a time when many of you were blind, but now you can see. But there are some of you in here that you're still blind and you can't see. And the simple way to get there, because Jesus never made it complicated, was Jesus, I'm calling on your name. I just, man, I need to, I, I need to say lie with you. I want to abide in you. Come hang out with me. I, I need to say lie with you because I need this peace. I need this shalom. Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, he said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection. He goes down and he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on, look at that, one thing. And what's the one thing? I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to move forward. Some of us can't move forward because we're hanging on to our past so much that literally we could not say love because in our mind we haven't had forgiveness. There are people in our life that we're just hanging on to because they've hurt us and they've crushed us and they've done something to us and they've said something horrible to us and we're hanging on to it like it's our lifeline. And all the while, Jesus is saying, if you'll come say law with me, I'll show you how to offer them forgiveness in your heart and you can move on. What's the one thing above all that God is leading you to chase after this year? I, I, I told the first crowd that I really struggle with my word. But I tell you my word every year because sometimes it just prompts somebody with whatever's going on in their head. And honestly, your word is your word. There's no wrong word. I mean, seriously. And, and you realize at this moment that many of us in this room are multitaskers. Like we, we have a television show on. We say we're having a meaningful conversation with our spouse. We have our iPad in our hand, and then we try to answer the phone. And all the while, we keep telling ourselves, I can do that. Okay, I'm, let, let me lovingly share this with you. No, you can't. Your human brain has been scientifically proven that it can think about one thing at a time. And you say, well, I, I do 40 things in 10 minutes. Well, well that, that may be true. And my guess is you don't do 40 things really well in 10 minutes, but you're addicted to getting stuff done. Because you wake up in the morning and you just think, I got to take control of this and I got to get stuff done. I don't have time to say law. I got stuff to do. And some of you are doing that in the name of Christ, thinking he wants you to be busy doing stuff for the kingdom. And all the while, I can only imagine the Lord Jesus going, oh my stars, how did they miss it that bad? I just want to say law with them. I just want to say, stop being so busy. I just want to be Selah with you. I want you to have shalom, but you can't have shalom because you're so stinking busy doing stuff that you cannot stop and Selah with me. You know that the word priorities wasn't actually a word that was, that was used until the 80s? That forever there was a priority. Somewhere around the 80s, and I, I want you to think, what came along with it kind of in the 80s? Email, internet, shortly thereafter, social media. And before long, we, that's just one more thing we're busy with. None of that really helped us be more productive. 
I heard this week, like, how many of you have productivity apps on your phone or iPad? Let me see your hand. How many of you like some kind of productivity app? I know, I'm a freak for them, right? If I took all the money I've used trying to find the perfect productivity app, I could probably pay off our house. Sorry, babe. I heard somebody say this week, you know what is the greatest productivity in the app in the world? Is a moment of thoughtful meditation on what matters most. This young lady I talked to who's gonna pass away soon, I'm telling you, priority was easy for her, but it ought to be for us. So I'm gonna invite you in a minute to just come to a table and take a rock and a Sharpie. Write your word or words. I wrote mine at 9.30 and my words are spirit-led I kind of assumed that was a hyphenated word. But I wrote spirit-led because the Lord's had to do a work in my life. I love being busy. I I love getting my inbox to zero. I love getting stuff done. I love putting my head on the pillow at night feeling like, man, I got stuff done today. And all through that, the Lord has told me all week long, Chuck, what a foolish thought all that is. Do you you really think busting out that one last email was more important than Selah with me? Chuck, do you really think chasing after more, doing that stuff is going to give you any shalom at all? Chuck, you're so prideful, you count, you count on, your, on your giftedness or some talent you might have or, goodness, you, you even think you can still control stuff. Stop it, son, stop it. And say a lot with me. My friend, this one thing that the Lord speaks into your life, let it be something that causes you to say a lot, to discover shalom and remember Every action, reaction, and attitude you have is a vote you're making for the person you believe God wants you to become. Let me pray over your words real quick. Jesus, we come into a time to say law with you. To stop, to reflect, to hear to wait. God, speak into our life that which you'd have us chase after this year. Give us boldness to do that. Grant us shalom as we chase after you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just make your way to one of the tables. Grab a Sharpie and a rock. Write your word or words. Leave the Sharpie, take the rock, and just head back to your chair. If you're one of those folks that doesn't want anybody, you don't want anybody to see what you're writing, you can hover over it like you did in high school at a test. If you're one of those folks that wants to say a bit more and just take your rock with you, go ahead. 
Jenny and I tend to put our rocks where our coffee maker is each morning so that we can't miss it. The first year we did this several years ago, it was almost kind of like a, a gimmick just to add something to get people moving and excited in the service. And over the course of time, it's become a dip, deeply spiritual moment to grab hold of that which should matter most in our life and get us focused for the year. And so I pray that this would be that, that kind of day for you, that you put it on your dashboard or you put it at your bathroom sink or you put it where you can't help but see it or you leave your remote or in front of your computer. But something that the Lord would use to remind you day by day by day that this is how he wants to experience Selah with you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He is a holy God and a righteous God who loves you. Cannot wait to say la with you. Cannot wait to give you shalom. I wrote this rock this morning, and when I put it, I've got this kind of little closet behind the stage where we keep my mic and all that kind of junk and I put it on that little desk and before I came out here for the 11 o'clock service I, I grabbed the rock and I thought to myself Lord I, let me be spirit led today that I might hear you and know you and walk with you because I've noticed something that's fascinating that when you chase after Jesus thereon you can just walk with him He's not in a hurry. How cool is it to take a moment and think about what this is in your life this week? Be intentional this week about Selah. Find a time to stop and wait and reflect. You say, Chuck, I, I got two minutes to do that. Then take it. Chuck, I got, I got five minutes. I can pull over before I get my cup of coffee and do it. Then do it. No, no one place or one way is the issue. It's just simply your heart that says, I want to say law with you, Jesus. Speak to me. Jesus, thank you for the words that were written and yet to be written for folks at home that wrote them on index cards and, and pieces of paper. Let them stay before us in such a way that we would say law with you. Holy Spirit, fall in our life to guide us in such a way that everything we do truly is a vote to become all you want us to be. And we pray that knowing you hear us and you answer us in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Come on, let's worship for a minute. Just like the Spirit of God did in the upper room, Lord, we pray that today you would pour out your Spirit on us, that we would see you, that we would acknowledge that you are at work in this place 
And God, would you do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives? Lord, have your way. Spirit of the living God, have your way. Sing a fresh song with us this morning.
we sing over you today a prayer that comes straight from the word of God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. that is the blessing it was intended to be over your life today. I want to invite my best friend in the world, Beth Sutter, to come up here. Uh, Beth, we are celebrating the fact that this month she has served on the staff of Sugar Hill Church for 20 years. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you, Alma. And from this team and all the others that either have shingles or COVID, <laughs> I'm good. I've done my time. Here's, when I got here, Beth was my assistant. Uh, and y'all can't even imagine what all that entails. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it for me. But she, I began to learn, like, immediately that this is one of the most gifted people I've ever known. Beth Sutterth can do anything. And it, it, it really doesn't matter what it is. I mean, she can do anything. Beth, you are, you're one of the smartest people I know. And yet, somehow, you're also one of the most gracious people I know. You make us all better. But I know this. I'm a better human being because I work beside you day by day. And I get to see what it looks like when people love the Lord and love their family and love their church. And I see it played out in your life every single day. Your family's down here. And uh, you know that I love you, Daddy. I mean, I love you, Mama, but meant you, Daddy. Now, that's a whole nother level. Mr. Parks taught me how to fly fish. He is the most patient human ever born. I caught trees for the first two hours. And I was good at it. But Beth, there is never, there's no human way to thank you for all you do. Y'all, if there's a project here, she probably ran it. If something happens here, she probably did it. If it went right, she has her hands in it. And if it went wrong, the next time, she has her hands in it. She, she keeps me from going off the rails. She loves me enough to tell me stuff that I need to stop doing. Occasionally, she'll literally look at me and say, let's don't do that again. Back in the early days, I made a mistake at a Christmas party to give her a badge that said the sheriff on it. And she literally walked into my office next week and held it up and said, we probably won't need this ever again. I've never brought it up till this day and already regret it. But you are the very best and we love you. We wanted to give you something that was your favorite color and it was a perfect fit. It always fits and it's always really pretty. So I hope you enjoy this and don't let Mar Lamar have any of it. No tractor can be bought with this, just stuff for you. Don't, don't let the boys buy shotguns with it. This is just for you, all right? All right, I love you. you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. You are the very best. These folks love you. Y'all just stay up. We're going to get out of here. Listen, you could replace me 10 times over easier than you could replace her. I promise you. And that's not preacher talk. That's the honest goodness truth. But as you go today, 
Let this Jesus we've talked about go before you and make a way. That's what he does. You know, go ahead, let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good. And man, you are always loved. And I promise you, dark days are ahead, man. We live in a weird world. Stuff's gonna happen. And when that day happens, don't go hide. Don't run. Don't be afraid. Let him come behind you and pick you up. Carry you right through the middle of all the junk that you're in it. You know, I've noticed Jesus never carries me around all my junk. He walks me right through it and says, open your eyes, son. Look at this. Watch this. This is going to be awesome. And then let him set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his arms around you and draw you up close so you get to hear your Savior say to you, really up close and personal, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you, friends. Go in peace.